please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, as we continue in our series, The Jesus We Need, not the one we often make up in our hearts, not the one that the culture is selling us, but the Jesus we need. And he is here, and uh, he, is, he is going to speak to our hearts today something very, very important. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, speak through the Word. Illuminate this truth so that we might understand it, be transformed by it, and walk in the joy of newness. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want to talk about birth. Birth and death are very, very interesting subjects to everybody, but, but I mean, birth is beautiful. And birth is just profound. Uh, I remember as a 30-year-old being very intimidated uh, just as our first child was to be born that day and we're on the way to the hospital and I am thinking, oh man, do I really want to be in there, you know, with, with all that's going on and the intensity and the emotions and the physical um, intensity of it all. I was kind of yearning for the old days, you know, where the guys were in the waiting room with cigars or something like that. But uh, just to let you know, I didn't really have a choice. Um, so I was there and I would just tell you that I'm, I'm so glad I was there. And I don't think I was ready. I know I wasn't ready for the profound intensity of new life. It, it was life-altering to see birth. So what our message today from the Lord Jesus is about, it's about birth. It's about new life. And I'd like to read his words from John 3, 1 through 12. The very words of God. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do the signs and miracles that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? 
And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? So who is this man, Nicodemus, and why is he coming to see Jesus? Well, we read in the text that that Nicodemus is one of the the Pharisees. He's of the, the party of the Pharisees, these very strict, very... Um, accurate in their mind, teachers of Israel, teachers of the Word of God, the Old Testament at that time. And, and we read that, that Nicodemus comes at night to see Jesus. Now, a lot of people, and you probably think this, a lot of people think that because Jesus was very controversial as he burst onto the scene, that maybe he came at night because Uh, He didn't want the other Pharisees or the people to see that he was coming to learn from Jesus. Or it could be that he actually did consider Jesus a teacher like himself and had respect. and, And rabbis would actually meet at night and and kind of have a long private conversation into the night. Kind of talking theology into the night. And that's kind of what they did as well. But we know this for sure. He came to find out who Jesus was and what Jesus taught. And why not? Jesus was performing mind-bending miracles in broad daylight. And Jesus of Nazareth was attracting enormous, huge crowds of people and became the talk and was becoming the talk of the country. And so, in a sense, you you think if this is like one of the primary teachers of Israel, and a part of what he does is keep doctrine pure for Israel, it's a good thing that he wanted to go and really talk theology with Jesus. It's kind of his duty to go and find out who this is. And... uh, and there's curiosity there, obviously. And, and what I really love in this passage is the respect that Nicodemus has for Jesus. You know, Nicodemus is converted. Nicodemus shows up in the burial and resurrection narratives later in the gospel. So Nicodemus, we're not finished knowing about him. But there's this amazing respect. And Nicodemus says, teacher, rabbi, We know that you're a teacher who is sent from God because no one could do these mind-bending miracles that you're doing unless God were with him. This is a great sign of deference and respect to Jesus. Uh, And and then he he basically says it this way. He keeps calling Jesus teacher. He, He basically says, I'm a rabbi. You're a rabbi. Rabbi just means teacher. Let's talk the finer points of Jewish theology together. Let's find out what each other knows. And let's talk some theology, Jesus. Notice that Jesus calls Nicodemus not a teacher. He calls Nicodemus the teacher of Israel. You're the teacher of Israel, he says, and you don't know these things. 
It's, it's important to understand that, that Nicodemus, as it says in the text, is a Pharisee. Nicodemus is a part of the ruling council of the Jews, otherwise known as the Sanhedrin. This is a very select group of people that are, that are, are placed in leadership over the entire nation spiritually. So this is a, this is an extremely well known, very high placed, important person in Judaism, in Israel. You are the teacher, and you don't know these. I mean, basically, if we kind of looked at it in Protestant terms, this is like the, the R.C. Sproul of Judaism coming to talk theology with this, this carpenter from Galilee. And it's interesting that just as he begins to, you know, be deferential and in, kind of invite Jesus into this conversation... Jesus cuts him off with a statement. You know, Jesus often did this. He'd ask a question of his own, or he would just change the direction of a conversation by making a statement. And, and Jesus cuts the R.C. Sproul of Judaism, one of the rulers, cuts him off with his own statement. And it's as if Jesus is saying to this well-known man, we don't need to sort through your theology it's not accurate. And it doesn't work. Verse 3. Truly, truly. Verily, verily. Very important. Anytime you see truly, truly out of Jesus' mouth, you better pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So he just cuts Nicodemus off. He makes this statement. Nicodemus is incredulous. Nicodemus reacts to Jesus in in verse 4. How can a man be born when he's old? What do you mean Uh, a man has to be, a person has to be born again in order to see the kingdom of God? Don't you think I understand what it means to know what the kingdom of God is and how to have it? What do you mean by this? Can a man go back into his mother's womb a second time and, and be born. And this is when Jesus dropped the bomb. This is when Jesus Christ drew a line and set apart true religion from false religion. This is where Jesus frames the kingdom of God, frames salvation in terms of grace and not works, in terms of our inability to save ourselves and thus the need from outside of us for an action of God himself, not our own, to be what saves us. Now, if you have your Bibles, and we have some under the pews, if you want to look with me uh, where it says in verse 3, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, Right there, there should be a footnote by the term born again. If you go down to the bottom of the page, that's where it is in my Bible, and you read the footnote, what you're going to read is something like this. It's going to say something like this. Scholars agree that the term born again means born from above. Y'all, this is important. It means born from above. And there it is. 
Nicodemus, salvation does not come from within ourselves. Salvation doesn't come from what we can muster, what we can do. Something supernatural has to come down. We have to be not only born a second time spiritually, flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. We have to be born from above by the actions of God himself. This is a gift of sheer grace to be born again, to be born from above. And, you know, the idea uh, of the word born, no, the word born is, is a, a word that, that kind of talks about something that happened to you. You didn't do it. Nobody here even remembers their birth. You didn't birth yourself, you were born. You didn't control when you were born. You didn't control the process of being born. You were born. And Jesus says that's what salvation is like. It's something God does. It is this brand new thing. It comes from above and it's a brand new life. You are born, spiritually born again. It's real important to understand that, that you, you get like, like who God is and who we are as people. That's the whole shooting match, right? That's, everybody's theology has to, has to account for who God is and who we are. And look, if, 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 you know, if, if, what, what is it saying? If, um, if God's not that, if we're not that bad, you know, we're way up here and God's not that mad, then we can kind of do it, I guess, you know. But if God really is a, a, a transcendent, unknowable, incomprehensible God, meaning you cannot know everything about him, a God who dwells in inapproachable light and glory, and if you look at him, you die. If that's who God is, and that's who God is, And yet God is love. And we are sinners, intrinsically bent towards self, not like God. We don't have the ability to press through and up to the heavens. Salvation is something called being born again, born from above. God doesn't fix us up in salvation. We're not sick in need of progressive treatment. Ephesians 2 says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We don't need to be fixed. We need nothing less than a resurrection to be brought to life into a new life. To be born from God. Born from above. I mean, it's so radical what God does to us. He doesn't fix us. It can, it's so complete that it can only be described as a new birth into an entirely new life with God that God gives us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Isn't born an amazing word? Nothing quite as profound. As birth. You know, you hear about spirituality today and kind of the broad culture has moved in an eastern direction in spirituality. And, 
And what, what people are being told over and over is that we really do have inside of us the resources to connect with God. That, you know, the problem with us is that we just haven't reached down deep enough to, to this inner wealth, this, this inner thing that if we could just touch and, and we could just get in touch with who we really are inside, then we would connect with God. That is not true. I just Googled yesterday, uh, spirituality within. Immediately this popped up. I'm just giving you a couple of sentences from the first thing that popped up. This is what the culture is teaching. Uh, this is a lady named Christine, Christine Evangelou. Quote, our spirituality is ingrained and embedded into the gears of who we are. You see the difference there? When we are able to tap into the depths of what we hold within, it opens up new portals and gateways to the fullness of our distinct magic. That's just gobbledygook. When you box yourself into other people's values, you know, we're not going to be told what's right. We're not going to be told anything. When you box yourself into other people's values, other people's structures and beliefs, you drift further away from lies at the very heart of you, which is your own truth. Jesus of Nazareth says baloney. It is not inside of you. It must, salvation must come from the outside, from a holy God who saves sinners. And it is an action of sheer grace. And he says to Nicodemus, which is, 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 is very much kind of what we believe in the South sometimes. We got all these, quote, Christians that don't understand grace. They think that they're just good people serving the good Lord and somehow they're saved. They're not. You understand you got to kind of get southerners unsaved before you can get them saved. Because like Nicodemus, they feel that somehow within them is the ability to do what is right, to do what is good, to do what is religious, to do what is impressive, and therefore through what we do, through our own will, be acceptable to God. This is what Nicodemus believes. Nicodemus believed, like every other Jew, at the time of Jesus' appearance on earth, that if you were a Jew, one of God's chosen people, and if you believed in Yahweh, and if you were trying to obey the law, you already had the kingdom of God. The trick in Judaism wasn't to have the kingdom of God. Just being a Jew gave you the kingdom of God. The trick in Judaism was to not lose it through disobedience. And now you understand where the Pharisees come at Jesus with with incredible demands about legalism and what we do and what it means. And Jesus just swats them down one after another and exalts the, the sheer grace of God. This is... Exactly why Nicodemus didn't get it. This is why righteous people never get it. It's why the R.C. Sproul of Judaism does not have a living relationship with God because he believes that intrinsically he can do it. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. 
He caused us to be born again, not us. But there's something else here that's beyond just our inability and, and God's work. And it has to do in this passage, and it's kind of perplexing, but it's very exciting. It has to do with the sovereign nature of God in salvation and His choice and His timing And that this not only happens from above, but this happens when God wants it to happen. That we are born again. Born again, born from above. And Jesus goes on to make sure that we understand that this is none other than the direct work of God himself. Because the third thing he calls it in the text is this, being born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. He goes on to say, and I'll read it in a second, not only must we be born directly by the Spirit of God, reborn into a new life, but we cannot control it. We can't make the Spirit of God come to somebody in this way. We can't tell the Spirit of God to go this way or or the other. This is only by the sovereign choice of God, the sovereign grace of God, of God. And uh, Jesus says that people who are born of the Spirit are like people who feel the wind. That the wind has come. And they feel the wind. You know, the, the actual word for spirit in the Old Testament is ruach. Ruach. And the word for spirit in the New Testament is pneuma. And you know, they mean the exact same, same thing. They mean breath. They mean wind. The Spirit is, the, is like the wind. So this is a play on words that Jesus says, um, you can't control the wind. Verse 7, do not marvel, Nicodemus, that I said to you, you must be born again. The Ruach, the Numa, the Spirit, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from, and you do not know where the wind goes. And that's what it's like, he says. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You're the teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things? Do you not know the Old Testament, Nick? And Josh read earlier in our worship service from Ezekiel 36 of this time when, and I'll just read it, when I will give, I, God speaking, Yahweh, Old Testament, Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove from you your your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh and And listen to this, Old Testament, and I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and to obey my laws and you will dwell in the land I gave to your fathers and they, you will be my people and I will be your God. Yes, Jesus, but I thought I knew all about the kingdom of God. I thought I already had it and I'm trying to help people not lose it. Teaching as a Pharisee, Jesus said, you don't have it. 
You have never had it to begin with. We are stillborn spiritually into this world as sinners that need the salvation of God, that need to be born again, born from above, born of the Spirit. But just some interesting things about this. You know what else this means? This means you never know. Who's going to respond to the gospel message? And some of the sweetest church people don't. And some of the folks that we would never imagine would even be interested in grace do. It it is perplexing. I find it terribly exciting. Because what it means, folks, is this. Nobody can save themselves. Nobody has it within them to do what is necessary to be acceptable before a holy God. And it has to be born again, born from above, born of the Spirit. What it means is as you share the gospel in your life and in your word, that's what God does. Don't you understand? You've got some prodigal child somewhere out there, some prodigal grandchild out there, and you just well not want to give up. Don't. I can feel the wind coming. I can feel the wind coming. Because God is sovereign. God is the one who saves. You just keep living. You just keep praying. You just keep sharing. You just keep representing Jesus to people. And God will blow the wind. God will birth them again. God will birth them from above. And God will birth them with His Spirit. This whole matter of salvation is profoundly profoundly mysterious i mean we know right that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god and and how will they hear unless someone says it to them and how will they say that to them unless someone is sent right but you know in it all we know that in the context of the great commission in the context of the gospel there is god who has been drawing people before you ever got there. You know, I'm teaching from the book of Jude on Wednesday nights, and it was talking about the calling of God. And I told that, I said, you know, I look back now, and God tracked me down. He tracked me down. He was calling me. And we know that in the context of the gospel and where how God moves us into a gospel context, we know He's the one that brings us to life so that We can see, understand, and believe the gospel and be his. So don't give up on anybody. Lee, you and Diane and Harper, he's going to be a good little evangelist. Y'all need to go to Ohio with the thought in mind that that is an extremely target-rich environment for the grace of God. They're going to start a church. You need to understand that if you will just preach the word, equip people, pray, equip people to be a part of the Great Commission, leave, they will come. They'll be born again. They'll be born from above. They'll be born of the Spirit as you preach the gospel. And God will bring people uh, to life in order to believe the gospel. In the case of our own salvation, we believe because we are born again. We don't believe and then are born again. We are born again so that we can believe. And the Spirit is like the wind. Now, 
Please understand, this whole thing of salvation is mysterious, right? We don't remember being awakened. We just remember getting the gospel and understanding with clarity our need. It was because we were born again that we were able to believe. And that is solely the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, another benefit of this, just a couple more benefits, is um, if you have put your trust in Jesus, and you know that, you know, somebody, sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, you know, I'm just really struggling. I'm not sure I'm a Christian anymore. And I say, hey, tell me where your, where your trust is for eternal life, where your trust is to have a relationship with God. Is it in what Jesus has done and who Jesus is as the risen Christ? Oh, of course. Then shut up. <laughs> because you wouldn't believe that unless you were made new. And you were made new. It's like, calm down, people. I'm born again. That's why I believed. That's why in the depths of my soul, even if I'm wrestling, I still am trusting in what Christ has done for me. You are born again. If you have believed, that's good news for us this morning. And you know, just to kind of finish up, it's good news because you can't be unborn I want you to think about this. If this was something that you did, then sure enough, you can lose it. And you can just be like living on the edge of losing God's love and your salvation all the time. Wouldn't that be miserable? You weren't in charge of when you were born physically the first time. You weren't in charge if you've put your trust in Jesus. You were not in charge of when you were born again spiritually from above by the Holy Spirit. And look, there are people here this morning, and we all are there at different times in our lives. You have wandered from Jesus. You've wandered from worshiping Him in your life. You've wandered from Him having first place because of the grace of God that has brought you into a living relationship. You're living for yourself. You understand, we all wander. We have that hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But can I make a suggestion to you, if you're discouraged this morning, based on John chapter 3? Instead of letting the enemy, Satan, condemn you and make you depressed, why don't you just turn to Jesus, who is your Savior? whose death and resurrection still is full payment and actual life that he has given you. Don't fall for this. You don't have to wallow. You don't have to prove it. Why don't we just repent and believe based on what you have already believed? You can't be unborn. I'm telling you, there's somebody here this morning that that right there was like cool water. To a tired and parched soul. You cannot be unborn. The Jesus we need is not this kind of Eastern Jesus that helps us find our inner light. 
He's not some legalistic Jesus is just waiting on us to make the first move and do enough to impress him, enough to accept us. No, the Jesus we need is the one in John chapter 3. He is the Jesus that gives us new life. Jesus' resurrection becomes our resurrection. Jesus defeated sin on the cross, and he defeated death forever in the resurrection, and he lives and reigns to give salvation to all who come to him. And no one comes to him unless the Father who sent him draws them, and we come to him because we are born again. And Jesus can, even through the truth of his words recorded and said again as if they are being said the first time this very morning to you in God's house, Jesus can today renew your life. We can ask to look, we can, we can look to him and we can ask to be renewed in our newness. Unless a man is born again, truly I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And if we are born again, we have seen it. We've believed and we've trusted. Are you ready for this? And we have entered the kingdom of heaven. And we're his. And he's ours. And one day, we're going to see the kingdom of heaven because of him. Let's pray together. Lord, save us from the theology of Nicodemus. As sincere a man as he was and as sincere as many of us are, trying our best to be good Christians in order to be saved, Thank you that you helped Nicodemus understand that it was quite outside of his own power or control. God, would you move like the wind by your spirit in people's hearts this morning? And if you have never understood just how unable you are to save yourself until now, If you have never understood just what Jesus Christ did on the cross to to pay for your sins against a holy God and in the resurrection to give you new life, if you've never understood that but you get it and you want eternal life, you want the kingdom of heaven in you, then pray with me, Lord, I see it. I've been born again and I put my trust in not in what I can do. And I turn from my selfishness. I turn from my ways. And I turn, Jesus, to you and what you have accomplished for me and finished for me on the cross. I receive you, Jesus, the living Christ, into my life. Thank you that even now you've completely forgiven me. Even now your spirit has come into my life. And Lord, there are many of us who have walked with you. And Lord, your your dear children and and our dear friends, they're struggling inside. And the enemy is trying to discourage them and hold them underwater. 
Lord, would you break through, would you cut through that which is false, that which is trickery, and would you just cause the brilliance and beauty of your grace to shine again? Would you take us back to the cool headwaters of your grace just to taste again that it was you? And that's why we couldn't lose it. It was you. And that's why you're still in our lives. Would you renew our lives? And finally, Lord, would you help us to show and tell the gospel that the winds of salvation might blow through this church, from this church, and into this community? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.